Today, though, we're looking, and kind of in preparation, we're looking at how God has entrusted certain things to us. Our text this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Now, while you're turning there, let's go back through what it means to be entrusted. As you remember, uh, there is a right view of our relationship with God and in relationship to Him and our relationship with stuff. And that view begins with God at the top of the triangle. God is in charge. Psalm 24 verse 1 says that the earth and all that's in it belongs to the Lord. Everyone that's in it belongs to the Lord. So we see that there is this, uh, this uh, picture throughout Scripture about God as the owner of all things. God is the owner of all stuff, and He is the owner of all humanity. And we live in harmony with Him when we view stuff merely as His possessions that He has placed in our hands uh, to use for His glory and as He determines. And so we're merely stewards of the stuff that belongs to God. So that's the right view. God is in charge. We live in relationship with Him. We belong to Him. And all the stuff, all the stuff in my bank account, all the stuff in my home, all the stuff on my back, it belongs to God as well. And we have the privilege of holding that in our hands and using it as He leads us to use it. All right, so that's the right view. The wrong view flips the perspective on its head and puts me at the top of the triangle where I'm the owner of my own life. I'm the owner of my own stuff, where I own the stuff. In fact, I even, I wouldn't say it outright because I'm a religious kind of person. I look really dignified on a Sunday morning, but really we view God as belonging to us in such a way that he's supposed to answer to our orders, where God is to move and take care of our stuff. He becomes the steward of my stuff. Now, this is a rebellious view against God. It places me in the seat of authority and God as merely my servant. And when we have this kind of view, and we've all had this kind of view, and some of us are struggling with this view even today, but when we have this kind of view, it leads to chaos in our life. It leads to a dissatisfaction in our soul, and it leads to destruction in our relationships, beginning in our relationship with God. So we need to have the right view. God's in charge. Well, today as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, we see that God entrusts us not only with stuff, but as we saw last week, with the gospel as well. The Apostle Paul is writing, beginning in verse 4, and he says, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but pleasing God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is our witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, 
we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Today, we discover that God entrusts us with the gospel so that we might share his rescuing love with others. Now, here is something that is so core, so fundamental to our lives, and yet so neglected by followers of Jesus. The gospel sings the story of God's rescuing love, how that he saw us in our sin and sent Jesus to rescue us from our sins embrace so that through faith in Jesus and repentance of our sin, we might have freedom, we might have liberty, we might have life in him. And as we look at how the gospel has changed our lives, the apostle Paul tells us that we must then share that same story of God's rescuing love with others. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, even as I have taught you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's what Jesus was talking about when he says, but you'll receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is what we knew when we embraced Jesus as Savior and King that we could not reach God on our own because we were enslaved by sin. Sin puts us in chains. Sin has enslaved us. And as we look at our lives, we might look dignified. I I guarantee you, I went to church as a good-looking young Baptist boy. I was dressed up. Yes, I did. I was dressed up by my mama to look dignified, respectable, I wore the right clothes on Sunday morning. And yet, underneath all those clothes, if you were to look underneath the surface, you would see a man in chains. You would see someone who was bound by sin. Someone who could not escape the chains of sin. And that's the story of your life and my life. The chains may be covered up, by a lot of good humor. It might be covered up by a lot of religious activity. It might be covered up by a lot of, 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 of frivolity and fun and, and games that we play, intellectual pursuits that we chase after. It can be covered up by a lot of things, but deep down in the core of who we are, we are enslaved by our sin. And that's what Paul was talking about In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning of verse 1, he said, He made you alive who were dead in your trespasses and in your sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, who now works among the sons of disobedience, among whom you also once conducted yourselves in the lusts of the flesh, and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. This is our story. This is our story that we were chained and enslaved and imprisoned by sin, and we were powerless to escape. Guys, one of the reasons that Paul talks about being entrusted with the gospel is because he understood that even though he lived the first part of his life as a good religious moral person, And even though as a good religious moral person, he was pursuing people to put them in jail for their aberrant theologies. Paul understood that he himself had been enslaved by sin. And that no amount of his own morality could overcome the chains that had bound his soul and his heart. That had killed him already. His daily diet was sorrow and death. And no matter how much his religion led him to do certain things, it would never set him free from the chains of his sin. That is who we are. That is who we were. Sin has enslaved us, and we can try to cover it up, but we cannot get rid of the chains. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were walking along a chain gang of sin headed in a certain destiny and direction, plodding along in a lifeless, hopeless pursuit, unable to set our soul free no matter how hard we tried because sin had captured us. But God, but God who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together. He has set us free through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not sin is overwhelming us any longer, but now it is sin that has been killed by Jesus The scripture tells us that Jesus alone can set us free. The reason Paul felt entrusted and called by God to speak the gospel to others was because he understood the nature of his own captivity in sin. And he understood that Jesus alone had set him free. We see this in Romans chapter 6 verse 6. In Romans 6, 6, the Apostle Paul says, We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus, so that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Jesus came, and he shattered the shackles of our sin by dying on a cross for us. Jesus came to pay the price and the penalty for your sin. It was not your good behavior that led you to God. It was God's great grace that drew you to Him. It wasn't your moral upbringing that made you fit for heaven. 
But it's only God in His grace sending Jesus as the sacrificial payment for your sin. If you are trusting in your religious efforts or your own moral code of conduct to make you fit for God, friends, let me tell you, you are still enslaved by sin and lost. If you're counting on being a Baptist or the son of a Baptist or the daughter of a Baptist or being a Baptist for your lifetime, and that's what you're counting on to make you fit for heaven and friends with God, please understand your faith is in the wrong place and you probably are still lost in your sin and enslaved by your sin. Today, Paul wants to speak to us And let us understand that it wasn't the way of life that we lived that made us fit for God. But it was the righteousness of Jesus Christ and Him alone. And His death on the cross in our place. And His resurrection from the dead for us that makes us have a chance at forgiveness of sin, liberty from our chains, and heaven for our home. God in His great grace, has made us alive together in Christ Jesus. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not your works. It's not your effort. It's not your upbringing. It's not your heritage. It's not your morality. It's not your religion. None of that gets you to heaven. None of that makes you right with God. And if you are depending on that, then you are still enslaved to your sin. But if you, like me, have experienced the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, if you, like me and so many here today, if you have tasted that rescuing love of God through His grace, then you know that Jesus has set you free. He alone has set you free. Paul understood it. When he met Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, Everything changed for him. And he embarked upon a grand adventure from that point forward to be a witness for Jesus in the world. He embarked upon a grand new adventure from that point forward, entrusted with the gospel to share God's rescuing love with others. And that's what he's talking about here in verse 4. He said, God has entrusted me with the gospel. And friends, God has entrusted you with the gospel. God entrusts us to share the gospel with others. What's the gospel? The gospel is our experience. We once were lost, but now we're found. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Jesus has done a work for me. It is by God's grace His amazing grace that I'm no longer enslaved by my sin. Paul said that God had entrusted him with the gospel so that he might preach the gospel, speak the gospel. Not so that he could please others. Now, friends, here's here's the thing. We've been entrusted with the gospel. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been entrusted to share with others what God has done in your life. And what keeps us from doing that is we reverse pleasures. Instead of living for the pleasure of the one who has set us free, we live for the pleasure of others 
who couldn't do anything for us anyway. Paul said, I speak not to please men, but to please the one who tests our hearts. Guys, listen. One of the greatest obstacles for you, fulfilling your calling, having been entrusted with the gospel that not only has broken the chains that have bound you, but has called you to a mission to live. One of the greatest obstacles is the fact that we want people to like us so much that we remain silent when we should speak. We want people to like us so much that we fail to cross that line of awkwardness and speak for the one who has set us free. We want people to like us so much that we abandon the very mission to which God has called us. We fail to help others who are enslaved by their sin. We fail to give them the key, who is Jesus, to unlock their chains. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been entrusted with the gospel, and that means you must speak. Speak clearly and plainly, not for your own pleasure, not in selfishness. When Paul talks about not with flattering words do we come to you, nor with the cloak of covetousness. He was speaking about himself, but he's also speaking to us about how we should live our lives. See, flattery was a tool used by people who were hawking their wares and promoting themselves. They would come along and they would say good things about someone only in order to get something for themselves. I see this in the church so often, people uh, using flattering words to another person or a group of people telling them exactly what they want to hear so that that person or those people will think that they're good. Guys, that's not what Paul's led us to do. That's not what God has called us to do. He calls us to preach, speak the gospel. We've been entrusted with the good news that sin separates us from God. And we can't do anything about that. But God in His great grace sent Jesus to rescue us. And if you, by faith, will repent your sin and trust in Jesus alone to rescue you, then you will have life and your chains will be shattered. And in response to that great grace that God has shown you, He calls you and me to live for Him. Can I ask you, Are you living for yourself so much that you refuse to consider how to live for God? Are you so concerned about yourself that you fail to speak to others about God's rescuing love? Are you so intent to have your way that you forget that God should have His way and you should speak on His behalf, calling others to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. 
all around you this week, you encounter people who are far from God. And instead of being mad about how they live their life, or instead of being indignant about how they don't care about you, instead of thinking about your own problems to the extent that you fail to recognize that God has put you on a mission, as you encounter people who are far from God, will you, as one slave to another, say, I've been set free, and you can be too. Not seeking to please others, not for selfish interest, but simply to help them have their chains shattered. Today, we serve God's pleasure. And we serve for His pleasure. That's who we are as followers of Jesus. And God has entrusted to us this glorious good news of His rescuing love. We've experienced that rescuing love if indeed you have repented your sin and clung to Jesus as your only hope of rescue. But friends, that's not just to make us feel good. It is to make us his missionaries. Will you, this week, sing the gospel story to someone who is far from God? Maybe you just need to be reminded of how heavy your chains were before you met Jesus. Perhaps you need an extra dose of gratitude to the only one who has set you free. Maybe, maybe we all need an extra measure of humility, understanding that God didn't do himself a favor by saving us. But he did a great work of grace for an undeserving lot like you and me. Maybe, maybe today God just needs to pierce that calloused heart of ours and remind us that life is not all about us, but it's all about Him who sits on the throne, who is the owner of all things. And we are His people, rescued by His grace and called into His service so that we leave this place with a passion not for ourselves but for Him who died for us and rose again. Simple question. Will you Share God's rescuing love with others. If you have been rescued by God's grace, you've been entrusted with the gospel. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
And you've been given a mission to fulfill. To share with others how that they can be set free. Just as you have been set free by God's grace. Will you bow your heads with me, please? In these next few moments, I just want to encourage you. Encourage you to consider what God has done for you. To consider how that by His great grace, He rescued you from your sin. And he entrusted you with the gospel. And the question that begs to be answered in heaven is will you faithfully fulfill your stewardship by sharing the gospel with someone this week? Will you allow His great grace to inspire you to live for His pleasure. Guys, I know it's not easy all the time. I know it's difficult and challenging. But Jesus has shattered your chains so that you might live for Him. How will you respond? And if by chance there's someone here today who is still in the chains of their own sin and you see the grace of God made available to you through Jesus Christ and believe that he died on a cross in your place as payment for your sin, and long to come to Him and find the forgiveness that only He can offer. If that's who you are, then I invite you to respond and choose Christ today. I'll be down here at the front. I'll invite you to just stand and come and ask Jesus to rescue you. And I'll help you on that journey. For the rest of us, just remain seated. Consider, reflect, maybe come to this altar and commit. This week, I will help those who are far from God find life in Jesus Christ. Now, glorious God, in this hour, do your work of grace among these who have gathered and bring glory to your name in whose mighty name we pray. Amen.